days, perilous times shall come. We're there, friend. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof from such turn away. Bible said in Judges 21, 25 that there was no king in Israel and every man did that which, right, which was right in their own eyes. That is the hour in which we live. America is worshiping at the altar of pleasure. And they say if it feels good, do it. It doesn't matter who it hurts. It doesn't matter. And you just do whatever feels good in your life, friend. And that, we're living in a wicked hour. Man, there's so many things that you could preach on in Second Three. Now, I'm just going to make a point here. We're going to go somewhere else. But I, I, could take, I could take some of those words in, in, in verse 3 without natural affection. Have you ever seen a day in which we live in? The perversity of the hour. Somebody think, how are you tagged even on what Brother John said with what you're saying? Just hold on. I'm going. I'm getting there. I'm headed there. Not on even on the bypass, just pretty direct. I'm going to get there in a moment. I mean, I never thought that during a camp time, Brother Stacy, that we would have to sit children down before we took them off property and say, if a man, young ladies, if a man comes in your bathroom, you need to come back out here with me. I never thought I'd have to have that conversation. I don't understand why, why these transgender people, why they want to hang around with the children. That ought to show us there's, there's issues there. Why they want to read to children in a library? Hello? Why they want to hold them? See, there's perversity. That's not natural. Now, let's just be honest, Brother Stacy. We could go to meetings. Man, I could bust tight on that and absolutely would get shouted down out of the pulpit. And we should say something. I mean, our pulpits are silent as it is. And I could take... I could take that verse number five, not just talk in verse three, talk about the carnality, but in verse five, I could talk about the contemporary. Having a form of godliness, but denying their power thereof. And I could bust out on that and get shouted down out of a pulpit. And I do preach against that. Because it's all, we're living in an hour where a generation is about to be entertained into the doorstep of hell. We, we, we're living in an hour where another generation, they can't discern between what is production and what is power. And, and it doesn't matter, if the, in many places, it doesn't matter if the Holy Ghost leaves. And listen, they, they don't need him. They've got their talent. They've got their lights. They've got, they've got their abilities. And the show will go on whether the Lord's there or not. Everybody all right? And I could preach against that, and I do preach against that, and I'm so against that. If I was going to be, if I was, we're, we're, we're living in an hour where there's a generation of men, this deconstruction and all that kind of stuff, they spend more time telling our younger generation that it's all right to be like the world than they do edifying them to be like Christ. Something's wrong with that. We're, we're living in wicked times. But can I say this to you? Tonight, in this service, the sodomite crowd is not affecting our service. And, and, and tonight, 
the, the contemporary crowd is not affecting our service. Amen. Can I say tonight the drunkards are not, are not affecting our service. But look at verse 2. The Bible said, for men shall be loved their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. But I'm interested in that next word, unthankful. Unthankful. It would have been hard, Todd, I believe it would have been hard for those men's hearts to get hard, being thankful with a mouthful of that fragment that was between their feet. I believe I preached that and I so agree with you. I believe those 12 baskets were between the feet of the disciples on that boat. I, I mean, they were sitting there and many times we struggle and we are unthankful. And listen to me, we've got our eyes on the storm while the supply is between our ankles. We're looking at, just like Brother John said, circumstance and storms and struggles and, and, and adversity. And it takes our mind off. I mean, they had more in their basket than God had when he started. God, help us. I mean, how, how, how could you, I mean, seriously, how in the world... Could we get hard-hearted with our hand in the blessing of the provision of God? I mean, good night. We could sit here, Brother John, their hand in there and say, look at there. I didn't have that when I came in, and I didn't have that when I came. Don't you look what God did, and it's just blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. It'd be real hard to get hard-hearted on God when we're thankful for the provision that's between our feet. You understand the opposite of gratitude is pride. See, pride says, I deserve. And you said it so right. Ain't none of us deserve to get in a pulpit. I tell you what we deserve. We deserve to go to hell. We deserve the condemnation of God. We deserve the wrath of God on our life for the sins. Uh, oh, friends, somebody say, how could God treat us like this? How could God treat us this good is my question. Amen. Pride said, I deserve. Gratitude says, I'm unworthy. I've got grown children 23 and your kids are grown and your kids are grown. But can I tell you with a 23-year-old and 20-year-old boy, it still moves me when my boys, they know when we go to dinner I'm paying. Your children know when you're with them, they don't have to get their wallet out because his dad's going to take care of them. Your girl's same way. But doesn't it move you when your children, grown children that have a lifetime of knowing you're going to take care of the bill look at you and say, Thank you for dinner, Daddy. Thank you. Thank you for dinner, Daddy. Thank you for dinner, Dad. And if it means something to us as an earthly father, what do you think gratitude means to our heavenly father? Un we, we live in such an un God, help us. I mean, we live in unthankful churches where, uh, where the pastor is unthankful for the people. And we live in places where the people are unthankful for the pastor. 
It amazes me. I mean, sometimes, man, I'm telling you, from the pulpit, if we're not careful, man, those folks that have been faithful and they've served God, all of a sudden they'll hit a rough patch and they get discouraged and they get difficult and you're ready to kick them in the teeth and throw them out. And, man, you forget what what they've done and what a blessing they've been to you. The reverse is on the pews, man, you will forget that God's man helped you through the roughest times of your life. I've been there when you buried and birthed and everything else. And then in one decision, he makes a decision that you don't agree with. And then you get see what's wrong is we're unthankful. Amen. I agree with Brother John. The greatest thing the Holy Ghost that God's ever given me outside the Holy Ghost, my salvation, and the Word of God is my wife. And you feel the same way about. Miss Danette, and you feel the same way, Brother Todd, about your wife. You just think, Brother Isaac, after a year, y'all, y'all 13, almost 13 and a half months into this thing. You just wait till it's 25 years. You, you, you think you love her now? Son, you, you, you think, I, I, I thought I loved her 28 years ago when she walked down that aisle. But man, it's so different. I didn't know that I could love her. But I came to the place, Brother Todd, I, don't, I, I can't imagine waking up tomorrow and her not being there. Are you listening? But you know what we do? Those are the most precious ones in our life. But we talk to them in ways at times that we don't even talk to people we don't like. You say, you mean there's people you don't like? Y'all pray for me. Yes. Amen. Y'all, y'all pray for me. You say, I had to like all of them, said, I need to love them, praise God. I can love somebody without liking them, I believe. <laughs> Y'all all right? And don't think I'm not preaching because my tonsils aren't out like they normally are and water dripping off of me. My lips are purple. Everybody all right? See, we're unthankful. I mean, I wonder, I, I, I would ask it if we'd come from home from supper. I wonder how many of us men, if we'd ate at the supper table tonight, would have took 10 seconds and looked at our wives and said, thank you for supper. Bless God, that's what she ought to do. She's the wife. Really? Huh? Turn your Bible to Psalm 107. Just turn your Bible to Psalm 107. See, liquor crowd ain't hurting us tonight. Solemn outcry is not affecting us tonight. Listen, the contemporary crowd's not affecting us tonight. See, the contemporary crowd ain't coming out here because there ain't enough lights and there ain't enough crowd. Everybody all right? Amen and amen and amen. I want you to look at your Bible. I want you to look at verse, I mean, I like verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. I've heard Brother Sammy quote that. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. And his mercy endureth forever. He'd say, oh, yes, Brother Mark. That's how Brother Sammy would say it. But I'm interested in verse number 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. For his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Somebody talk back to me. How many times does the Bible have to say something for it to be the Bible? One time? Does he have to say it 50? Does he have to say it 10? Does he have to say it every book of the Bible? Does he have to say it every other verse? Or does one time recorded in the canon of the word of God make it inspired scripture? One time, 
Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. You say, well, I just didn't feel it tonight. So you're telling me the Lord's not good? Did it say, oh, that men should praise the Lord when they feel it? Amen, when they feel it. Man, the only time when we preach is if when we felt it, we wouldn't preach a lot. They say, a whole lot of times I don't feel it when I get started. But if I'll plow a little while, praise God, I'll work up a lather. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. Look at your Bible. I wonder what verse 15 says. Does, does verse 15, does verse 15 say, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful work to the children of men. Do you understand men praise the Lord for his goodness? Do you need a commentary? To un- How old are you? Twelve. You're 12. Do you, you understand what that means? Yes. See, goodness to him might just mean a mom and dad that loves him. Yeah. Safety, peace, clothes on his back. We've got, Brother John, he's 12. I've got 38 more years than he does of the experience of the goodness of God. So that means the longer I've gone, I've got more, I've got more to be thankful for than this young man does. Oh, that man. So if one time makes it the canon of the word of God, what about twice? Look at verse 21. Well, could, could, it, could it be that verse 21 said, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and its wonderful works to the children of men? Is that what it said? My, if one time makes it the word of God, what does two times in the same chapter and three times? What about verse 31? Huh? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And do, do you think that's four times in one chapter? Four is the number of this world. There's four poles. There's four seeds. I wonder if the Lord's saying we ought to praise God right where we're at. In this world, in this hour, in this season, in this blessing, in this trouble, in this heartbreak, in this sickness, in this joy, whatever it is, we ought to give God glory for his goodness and his wonderful works. So that you, you know what Brother John was doing? He said, man, I used to be this way. Uh, but I want to thank God tonight that I come over here uh, to do what I was used to do. Uh, but I came in this valley this time uh, not to do what the old man was going to do. Uh, but what the new man came to do. He said, I want to magnify the grace of God. It wasn't AA. It wasn't self-help. It was the grace of God. Of the power of the word of God. The power of the Holy Ghost that made that change. You say, well, I just don't know if I could thank the Lord. Well, let's look at what the psalmist said. The Bible said, verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way. That they might go to a city of habitation. You say, well, I just don't know, preacher. I just don't feel it. Tonight, I'm just not. Listen, if you wait till you're so overcome with emotion to praise God, you're going to miss on out on a whole lot of opportunities to give God glory for what he's done. You say, well, why should we thank the Lord? Well, the Bible said... 
They were hungry and thirsty. And their soul fainted within them. Did you hear that? I wonder if a reason that we ought to give God glory is because he feels the faint man. Neighbor, I don't know, y'all may not know, but Brother Pierce that just sat on this, that just sat on this piano bench and played, God is still good when the waves roll high. God is still good. And then he got to singing, uh, then he got to singing, give him the glory. Yes, hey, are you listening to me? Hey, that, that's after 400 kidney stones. That's after his kidneys had been taken out of his body, cleaned out, put back in his body, and then go in and take one out. And then the one that was healthy never had had a kidney stone in it. But when he took the other one out, now he's battling kidney stones in that one. But yet, he got on the piano and he said, God is still good. When the waves roll high, God is still good. I'm telling you, friend, and you say, how can he do that? I'm telling you the weariness. He's been sick in the last month, and there's difficulty in his health. Oh, but can I tell you the reason he can do that? Somewhere along the way, somewhere in a meeting, somewhere in that truck by himself, somewhere in the study, or in the songwriting place, or in the secret place, God comes by with some bread and some water and he feels the faint man I'm telling you a good little taste of the glory of God or can bring you out of the wilderness or bring you out of the barren land we ought to praise God because he feels the faint man now he wouldn't say all that he don't say nothing about that but I'll say it I'm his friend Are you listening? He don't get up there and put no show on. But I see him sit by me on the platform at the youth meeting at camp. Them kids get to singing. Then I get to see, you know he's hurting. You know he's tired. Matter of fact, one of the very first stones you had was at camp. You know how many years ago that was? About 15 years ago. Just cause he's hurting, he'll get up there. One of the mornings he was hurting, he got up in a he got up on a podium and had an eight o'clock boys devotion, holding a holding a towel like that with his pee on it, teaching them boys about prayer. This last August, one of those young men that he was teaching, probably six or seven years ago. They had found out he had brain cancer in March, died in August. And I went to his, I went, I went to his visitation. And right there, right there in that boy's coffin was a red handkerchief with a red P on it. And I recognized that as being one of Brother Stacy's. I called, I said, You ain't gonna believe what I called him when I got out of the funeral home. Everybody all right? I said, I'll tell you something what this mama told me. That you gave that to this young man while you was teaching. He said, Preacher, he said, that young man come up after me. 
And he said, Preacher, I got some things I want you to help me pray about. And I, I want to pray about them. And I needed what you said, Brother Stacy. said, I want you to give, I want to give you this so you'll remember what God's doing. And that boy told his mom and dad before he died. I'm talking about a 22-year-old man, EMT. He said, I want you to bury, bury me with that, with that handkerchief that Brother Pearson gave me. Are you listening? You say, how? How do you affect people? How y'all going to affect people's lives down there on the East Coast of North, of North Carolina in that church? I tell you how, that when you get faint and when you get weary, there's going to listen. The Bible said it's cold water is to a thirsty soul, so it's good news from a far country. I'm telling you, if you'll let God fill you in your faith and you'll just keep going and keep going and praise Him for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men, you can make a difference. All these young men think that that road of evangelism yeah. is all glory and lights. Yeah, right. Have y'all ever pulled up on the property when you get home at 2.30 and 3 in the morning and a group of angels sing the hallelujah chorus while you're driving in? No, you're tired. You smell bad. You're soaking wet. You've itched all the way home because you didn't take time to change clothes. Wore out. Nobody moved. Don't even act like they enjoyed enjoyed the preaching. Nothing happened in the service. All you can pray is the preacher got encouraged. And you get faint. You miss things your children do. And you get faint and you get weary. Oh, but one of them nights God will crawl in the truck with you. There is no quartet. There is no meeting. There is no preaching or to impress and all of a sudden while you got your arm up on the console it's almost like another hand from another world crawls in the truck with you and begins to fill your soul and then you remember you're not doing it for the pew and you're not doing it for the platform but you're doing it for the preeminent one maybe we ought to praise him because he feels the faint man. But then notice. Verse 10 said they were bound. They sat in darkness and in shadow of death. Being bound in affliction. Because they rebelled against the words of God. Contend the counsel most high. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord. I like that. And he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness. And the shadow of death. And he break their bands asunder. I wonder if, if Brother Samuel said, go outside. I said, Brother Ken's one night. He said, go out and shout outside and shout till they call the police. I did go out there and shout. I didn't shout loud enough. I didn't want to go to jail, praise God. Y'all pray for me. But I wonder if we all go out there in the parking lot and just run around and shout. Not just because he feels the faint man but because he frees the fettered man. Amen. How many times have we let our own failure We've let sin, we've let the brethren, we've let difficulties and, and sickness or disappointments fetter us and shackle us. But John said it, neither give place to the devil. Can I tell you the reason? If, there, if the devil's got ground in your, in your life, it's because you gave it to him, friend. You're not a, if you're born again, you're not a child of hell. You're not a child of darkness. You're not a child of the devil. And he does not have any 
any authority to take anything in your life because he is not your father. So if he's got ground in your life, it's because you gave it to him. But I've got good news. He doesn't own it. It's owned by a man on another shore. And he's got the power to kick him out. I want to thank God for the times when I found myself bettered or bound and fettered by shame, bound and fettered by failure, bound and failure by the circumstances I found myself in. Thank God when he comes by and he takes the truth of the word of God and unlocks the shackles that have found their way into my life and sets me free. I preach to moms and dads whose children. Brother Stacey, we're not the young bucks. Brother John, we're not the young kids anymore, Brother Todd. We were, we were at Brother Doug's and Rains in January. And Brother Rains called, called up the preacher, said, all you preachers, 50 years old, come up here and pray for this brother. Brother Stacey got up and started to go down there. He said, come on, Brother Mark. I said, I ain't going. He said, come on. I said, I ain't going. I ain't 50. I ain't going. He saw us cutting up back there. But Doug said, Brother Mark, how old are you? I said, 49. He said, all you preachers, 49 and older, come on down here. (laughs) We're not the young kids anymore. And we've been around long enough. But John, we're preaching. We're preaching. Anna, these two were born in our church. Anna was born right before they came to our church. Now we're preaching to families who used to be kids, and now they're grown and have their own family. Brother Stacy, we've been having camp long enough now that some of those first kids in camp are the youth pastors and youth directors that are bringing the kids to camp and pastors. I'm preaching for pastors that were in churches when they were teenagers that now I'm preaching for them in their own church. And I wish all of them stayed in, but all of them hadn't. And I, I, I'm preaching to parents that raised their kids right. Heard a man say, the other day, he, he, he spouted off in his mouth. He, he probably glad I wasn't there because I'd probably rebuke this. It just makes me upset. Y'all pray for me. I'm getting a little older. Sometimes I'm not as patient. This young dad that still got children in his home was looking at another family and said, bless God, they'd just raise them right. They wouldn't do that. Well, I didn't say it then, but I said it the next Sunday from the pulpit. I said, if you say stuff like that, you ought to bite your tongue off, spit it in the floor, and stomp it till it's dead. I said, because neighbor, I said, you don't know when things will change in your home. I've seen the best of the best, the best of the best walk away. And I tell you what I've seen, Brother Nick, when it happens, I'm pre- I, 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 the, the pastor part of me, Brother John, you, you men know this, the pastor part of me likes to go back to the same church year after year. I love that part of the evangelism because I get, I get to know those people. I watch those families grow up. But I also know when their kids aren't sitting beside them anymore. And I watch that mom and dad get shackled. They get shackled thinking I did wrong. I made a mistake. If I'd have done it this way, no. They've got their own will. And all you can do is put the truth in them. I mean, I know homes, man, they kept them from the world. They did everything they could to shelter them. 
but they made, they, they've, made a, they've made a decision for the time being. I walked away. And I've watched, I've watched some of those parents get shackled. They want, they want to have joy, but they, can't, they don't feel like they can have joy until they see their children come home. Oh, my. I'm telling you, I know a God that can unlock those shackles. Can I tell you, we can have that joy. We can still have joy and believe God's going to bring them home and still have a burden for them. But if the devil can pull the curtain out of you, it take all your joy out of your life. Neighbor, if you're not careful, you'll get shackled. He feels the faint man. He frees the fettered man. Notice your Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm just testifying. The Bible said fools, verse 17, fools because of their transgression, because of their, because of their iniquities are afflicted, their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. They draw near the gates of death. Boy, here it is, Brother Stacey. Every time he comes, then they cry unto the Lord. Then they cry unto the Lord. And he saveth them out of their distresses. I like this one, verse 10. This is probably one of my favorites. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. See, he don't just feel the faint man, free the fettered man. He fashions the foolish man. How many times have we simply just acted foolish? And I'm so glad I'm a New Testament believer where the Holy Ghost didn't come on me and leave and come on me and leave. Because, Brother John, I've given him plenty enough reason to leave. But boy, like Miss Donna used to sing at Brother Willard's, he didn't throw the clay away. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Oh, I think some of the most beautiful words in the Bible are Jeremiah 18, where he put the play back on the, back on the wheel. And the Bible said he made it over again as it seemed good unto the potter. I believe we ought to thank God that he fashions the foolish man. I'm done. Come on, Brother Stacy. Notice. Verse 24, they see the works of the Lord, his wonders in the deep, for commandeth and raiseth up the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven, they go down again to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. Notice verse 27, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunk man. And here, and they're at wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Boy, didn't say they cried unto the Lord when they felt it, did they? And they cried unto the Lord when they were overcome with spiritual emotion. Sound like to me it said they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he bringeth them out of their distress, distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Are you listening? And then the Bible said, so, verse 30, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. You know why we ought to praise God tonight? Not just because he feels the faint man. Not just because he frees the fettered man. Not just because he fashions the foolish man. But that he finds the fallen man. When we're staggering around like a drunk man. Well, John, I told some young preachers the other day. I said, when I was 21, I had a lot of answers. <laughs> if you'd have asked me, I could have told you, praise God. I believe we probably all like that, weren't we? But I tell you what, Brother Todd, I think maybe now that I've been preaching for 30 years, I don't 
know that I have any answers, but I think I may be about to get to the place where I might have an idea of what the right questions might be. Maybe just what the right questions are. Uh. And I tell you, boy, right the, when you, about the time we think we got something by the tail, the Lord will let something come in our life, and you're thinking, I have no idea what to do. I have no idea how to proceed. I have no idea how to handle this. You get to staggering around at wit's end. Then all of a sudden you cry and you trouble. And the Lord brings you to your desired haven. And when he does it like that, you can't put your hands on your, that glory you can't claim you did that because you know good and well you were as lost as a ball in high weeds and as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. But he says, I tell you what I'll do. Let me just get you here. When they got in that, that's one that, boy, we read right across that miracle at Mark 6 a lot of times. They got in that boat and when they got on the boat, immediately they were at the other shore. Ain't that something? Out there nine hours. Uh, isn't that how he does us? Nine hours out there battling that, battling that storm. And as soon as he steps foot in the boat, they're at the shore. How many times in our life do we battle them problems and trying to figure out what to do? How to, I mean, y'all are on the road. You, you become a pastor to pastors. And they won't tell men in their church, but they'll, they'll sit with you and bear their heart and cry and Ben, we don't have, we don't know the answers to give them. But then all of a sudden, God just step up in the boat, and you didn't ever think he was going to get there, boy. You there you are. You know what he said we ought to do? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. I don't want to be. In that Second Timothy 3 verse. If I want to be guilty of anything. I want to be, I want to be guilty of being thankful. I want to be thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for your family, your children. I'm thankful that I've got to be y'all's pastor your whole life. I really am. I don't, I don't take that for granted. Somebody, me proud they want to pass their millionaires. I, I just want to pass them children that love me. Amen. Brother Stacy, I'm thankful that you've loved my sons. I watched Riley walk up there, walk up there in January, put his arms around you on the youth on the platform at the youth meeting. And, just hold on to you. My, my boys' heroes are not ball players, and they play ball. But my boys' heroes are men of God that have come through our place. Brother John, Brother John's the only one, only preacher I know that my son's booked to a meeting. At Brother Rudy's, did they not? Was it Riley or Carter come up and said, Brother John, you come preach for us Sunday? You remember that? 
You remember that? He said, Brother John, you come preach for us Sunday. He said, I believe I can. He said, they said, don't. He said, well, what about your daddy? He said, don't worry, we'll take care of daddy. You remember that? That's who's changed. That's who's touched my children's life. Ain't no major league ball player, no NFL football player, no race car driver. They've never left any fingerprints on my son's lives. But they carry case knives. They carry case knives from a preacher that just ever so often and send them a note and tell them he loved them. I remember the first time Brother Tony picked up Riley. Riley would have been about three. And Riley walked over and Brother Tony just, that's back when he was weightlifting, weighed about 7,000 pounds. He was so big. He picked Riley up like he was a loaf of bread and set him in his lap. I remember one time, Brother Todd, we were on a, an old wagon, two big old mules pulling it, and Carter was about four. Riley would have been about six. And we're going up this hill, and Brother Tony said, hold up, boys, and crawled out of that wagon. Got out, and he said, hold on, boys. He walked over there and pulled that mule by the tail real hard and got back up in there. We went up that hill. Car said, Brother Tony, what'd you do? He said, boys, it's muddy. He said, put them mules in four-wheel drive. <laughs> and Carter couldn't wait to get home to tell my daddy. My dad would be 90, be, he would be 89 years old this year if he had lived. And Carter couldn't wait to get, he said, Papa, he said, when you was plowing them mules, did you ever have to put them in four-wheel drive? He said, no. He said, how'd he do it, son? Just a few just spend a little time with them boys has changed their life. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful. Brother John, it's been 20 Seven years, I'd say, since you come through Harmony Street all them years ago. Wouldn't it? Probably late 90s. So looking through some old pictures the other day. There was a picture of you and the kids and Miss Stacy, mom and dad. Y'all were standing outside the rabbit tail. Had a little lunch catfish. I'm thankful. Hey, and I'm not even got into the big, big, those just little things. You ain't got time for me to sit down and tell you how God's been good. I don't, I don't want, I wouldn't want your children to ever look at me and say, man, that's just a bitter old preacher. I want these kids that have, when y'all have children, Y'all come home to, to visit with your mom and dad and bring your babies. I hope I'm as excited. My goal is to be as excited, full of God, and as thankful when they're growing up like Isaac as I were when y'all were growing up. So they'll know, here's a preacher that's thankful that he gets to serve God. So we're going to stand. Brother Stacy's going to sing. I wonder how many of us 
might take a moment. Some of us, man, some of you husbands might ought to get your wife and say, honey, I want to thank God for you. I love you. Thank you. But I'd say we all have got reason. I would say every one of us could find ourselves in one of those categories. The faint man, the fettered man, the foolish man, the fallen man. And he's helped us out. But Stacy's going to sing. I would invite you to come and give the Lord some glory.